BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Okay, so share a little bit of spoilers with us. What should people be excited to see in this program? I mean, look, I think the cool thing about this show is that one, it's a black joy show. Anybody that's interested in reno, history, there's a lot of things that anyone can enjoy because it's just a great story, right? But I'm specifically excited about this show because our history is currently being trying trying to be ripped from schools, right? That's right. We homeschool That's our right. kids. We, we homeschool our kids because we want to make sure that they are their education is curated. You're listening to Money Moves, powered by Greenwood, a finance podcast dedicated to dropping all the knowledge and gems from the world's leading celebrities, entrepreneurs, and experts in tech, business, and more. I'm your host, angel investor, technology enthusiast, and media personality Tanya Sam. Each week, we talk with guests who are making significant strides in their fields and learn how they are making their money move. If you're someone who's looking to make your money move, you're in the right place. So open up your notes app and lock us in because this podcast will give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance you so rightly deserve. Before we start the episode, I'd like to remind you to check us out at gogreenwood.com and follow us on social media at Greenwood and me on all things social at It's Tanya Time to stay locked in to new episodes. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back. Today, we have an entertainment trailblazer with us, and I am so excited to share his journey. Ricarlo Handy is the CEO of Sunwise Media, and he is also the executive producer and showrunner for Rebuilding Black Wall Street. He has over 30 years of experience creating content, producing, and showrunning for some major television networks. Ricarlo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And you know, we we didn't mention, but we 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 we've been producing this prize guys together well, for a couple of years. Well, I didn't want to toot your horn too much, but yes, you're also the EP for Money Moves, powered by Greenwood. Yeah, but I wanted to say that because this is you know our baby that's been growing up, so I'm proud of this show too. Yeah. We birthed the baby together. Is that weird? But yes. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to go with it. So I want to start off by 
talking about your journey and how you got here.、Um, you were a father. You've been a renowned producer for many, many years. Take us back to early Ricarlo. And I always ask our guests, what did you think success would look like? How did you think about money? And how has that changed as you sit here now, as you know, a pretty accomplished producer? It's funny. I've heard you ask that question a lot, and I, I always thought I had the answer, but it's actually a, <laughs> a loaded question. Um, but I will say this: I I started young as a production assistant when I was a teenager, working on music videos in the Bay Area,、um, and all I wanted to be was a music video director. Like it was just that simple. Like、yep. they had the nice car, they were making <laughs> a lot of money, they were hanging out with you know they were doing all the things that I thought I wanted to do as a teenager, and I did achieve that by the time I was 18 years old. Um, I started directing for Master P and、uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony and Mac Ten. So you、oh, know, had、oh, had videos on One Hundred Six and Park, which like was like I thought once that happened I would be rich.、It. I thought I made it, yeah. But you know, low budget videos end up on One Hundred Six and Park too. So, <laughs> so my whole point there though is I think what changed about my idea of money was I used to think that certain jobs, certain titles. Would mean that I would be rich,、mm-hmm. right? And I think that some people think once I'm a CEO or once I'm a director or once I have this certain title, I'm rich. Yeah. And once I became a director, I was far from rich, and it was hard to get directing jobs. Yeah. And so even though I had directing jobs and I was able to make a living for a few years doing that from 18 to about 22, I actually didn't get financially stable and really. Afford to be able to buy a home and things like that until I was editing consistently, and that was the first big lesson where I was like, it wasn't about a particular title. The title. It was about having enough volume of business, and you know, so if you're selling penny,、uh, selling buttons、yep. to millions of people, you know, and somebody's selling something very expensive to not very many people, it doesn't really matter. It's just about volume at that point. Wow. Okay. So now you're going from a couple music videos. To directing much larger productions, how did you make that shift? And I want to ask specifically for insight into who the people along the way were、mm-hmm. that helped you recognize this is what I need to do to create bigger business and bigger wealth for me in my business. One hundred percent. I don't think that I knew early on what. Was going to net the results that I wanted,、mm-hmm. and sometimes you just go through like doing things, and then you start to look back and be like, "Oh, it was all these people along the way, right?" And the one thing that I can say for sure, and a lot of people's Hollywood experience is not this, I had a lot of support, I had a lot of people rooting for me or people that would help me, but I also would ask, you know what I mean? So it was that exchange, but. You know, people like Darren Grant, who's a director of television.、Mm-hmm. Rachel Curl, who does a lot of commercials. Jeff Clanagan, who runs all of Kevin Hart's business.、Um, uh, you know, with with Laugh Out Loud and those kind of things. I I I've known Jeff since I was 15 years old. Yeah, he gave me my first directing job right at 18 for Master P.、Um, and so these are the people that I've known that kind of helped me grow up in the business. And ironically, I've got to shout out Robin Latiker Johnson specifically. She used to run. Um, BT, as far as the、uh, the unscripted development, she was my production manager when I was a director. And then when she got into television and became an executive, there was that trust there,、mm-hmm. right? So she gave me my first opportunity to run a TV show with James DeBose, which was the Keisha Cole show, the way it is. Wow! And that was what in two thousand and seven. Two thousand, so just a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, you know. You obviously are grateful to all the people that helped you, and I know that you like to pay it forward a lot. And you have the Handy Foundation. Tell us a little bit about the Handy Foundation. 
the Hindi Foundation came, and I think a lot of things come that don't really look like opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you just got to turn it into that. And I went, I went viral, and there's a lot of you know information out there about that moment. But in 2020, or yeah, 2020, mm-hmm. I went viral um, looking for black editors online, and it turned into an opportunity because. You know, anytime you get a lot of press, that's what any business yep. can hope for. But I got all the press with no business, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, am I going to promote my my production company or like what am I going to turn this viral moment into? And really what I ended up doing was just listening to what the need was. Like, why is this thing viral and what is the need out there? And the need the was- The entrepreneur's creed. What is the need? What's the problem I can solve? And so the problem that the Handy Validation solved and is solving is really the access to technical training. Mm-hmm. There are tons of jobs and there's tons of opportunities in Hollywood and entertainment. And when I say Hollywood entertainment, I mean, think about- Content is in every business now. If you are a doctor's yep. office, you want to you have content. video. Everybody needs it. But but people have to find people that are proficient in doing that. And there's a huge gap. People coming out of film school, people coming out of uh, high school don't have that opportunity. So what the Handy Foundation does is really mimics my experience is it wraps people around you that have experience, help gives you some training. And makes connections. Makes connections. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now, you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI. 
at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. I want to talk about rebuilding Black Wall Street because this is such an incredible project that is telling the stories of how we are reconstructing, you know, a tragic historical event. You've partnered with Greenwood, with the Oprah Network, and of course, Sunwise Media. Tell me about why this project was so important to you. I think at some point I reached a point in my career and prior to doing Greenwood, I was um, head of the uh, prior to doing the Greenwood stuff with with Ryan Glover. We were both at Bounce TV. Mm -hmm. He was the president and I ran original programming. And so it was interesting because probably right before, right around 2019, 2020, I kind of made a shift personally to be like, I want to just do projects that are very meaningful. And that's harder to do in our business. Yeah. And it's a longer road. And I, we knew that. And so that's kind of what step I one. I want to stop you there because, yeah. you know, for those money movers that are listening, why is it hard? Is it for harder for people of color to raise money to fund the projects that we want to put into the world? Like, mm. why is it hard? It's hard because most television executives and producers um, want to make sure they keep their jobs mm. and, and, and what that looks like. And it's the same thing in the music industry. You know, when I was doing that, like things that are successful, people just mm -hmm. duplicate, right? It doesn't fit what we're already doing. I mean, the networks even put out mandates for what they're looking to do. Yeah. And it's usually based on the ratings from the previous year. And so give us more of what we love. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we are this network and we do this thing and we don't do this other thing. Right. And Maybe it didn't work another time, but that even gives you less ammunition to try something new. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to be innovative in an industry where people are trying to not lose. Right. Right. Because there's no it's risk. Right. Like that's, everybody knows being an entrepreneur. Anytime you do something innovative, it might be risky. That's right. And so, you know. Some, sometimes you'll, you'll every, you know, every project has its own journey, but it's harder generally for these projects to be successful. And, but I've had some success with projects that are considered a little more earnest. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we did the Harlem Globetrotter show yeah. Saturday morning program and we got nominated for a daytime Emmy and we blew out the ratings on Saturday mornings that hadn't, you know, hadn't reached that height. But I think we have a specific formula and that we kind of, honed in different areas. You know, mm -hmm. I've been a part of a lot of shows that might've been considered earnest um, and we've had some success there. So I knew kind of some formulas that might work. All right. So now rebuilding Black Wall Street, what was the seed that really made you passionate about telling these stories? Um, I grew up in Oakland, you know, um, my, my family are very, uh, grew up in Wabasuki. My grandmother's from Wabasuki, Arkansas, um, which is where Huey P. Newton is from. Um, Elgis Cleaver, who's, um, mm -hmm. one of my grandmother's cousins. So growing up, my dad, my grandmother, my parents, we always were aware of, you know, just what, what it would take to build community and what it would take for our people to be, you know, successful, you know what I mean? Like all the different plights of, of African-Americans. So that's always been an interest of mine in mm -hmm. different areas. And then also like raising up our, um, our folks to, to learn about financial literacy and grow our businesses and our community to be self-sustaining, which is what interested me in partnering with Greenwood from day one yeah. on everything, on the commercials, on the podcast, on all the content. And so the TV show Rebuilding Black Wall Street was just an extension of that because what I tell people all the time is 
you know, you don't have to come up with 25 ideas. You can come out with 25 different ways to solve the same problem. Mm -hmm. And one of them is going to work. Making a production like this is a huge endeavor. Tell me about some of the hurdles that you guys experienced in getting the show to the finish line. Well, I mean, it starts in development, mm -hmm. right? Because when anytime you come up with an idea like this, A, you need the people to do it and you need the resources. And the first step really was getting a, a actual viable tape. So mm -hmm. I have to shout out Cara Duncan, who I know you spoke to, who, you know, when we were on the ground trying to figure out even what the story was, she knew everybody. Right. Right. She, she, her mom walked into a room. We were doing a bunch of interviews for, uh, uh, untold stories and for, with Greenwood. And she came in with a box of like all this information that we didn't know. Right. And she's like, oh yeah, this is what happened in, you know, like articles and artifacts. And, and it was almost like it was handed on a platter. Now I've known Car for years and had no idea that she was even from Tulsa. Wow. You know what I mean? And yeah. so we just happened to be there for the Centennial at the same time. And it just was all, it all clicked at that moment. I was like, oh, we can actually do this. Yeah. Because a lot of times people have ideas, but they don't actually have the way to get it done. Well, there seems like there was a beautiful synchronicity in like, this was a story that was just dying to be told mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for, you know, the people that lived there, the families, the ancestors, and the lives that were lost. Right. So like this needed to be told, and especially by people that were connected and passionate people like yourself. But I know it wasn't easy. So talk more yeah. about some of those hurdles that you guys faced. So that was the first hurdle. And then, and, and then you know, fortunately, because of CAR, we got over it pretty easily. But we still had to find people. But I think the, the, the development process mm -hmm. of a television show is harder than people think. We This is actually... Two years, in the, two years in the making, you know, from the day that we, uh, not from the day that we first conceptualized it, from the first day that it sold, mm -hmm. it's been two years. Oh, wow. Right? So I think sometimes people think that you sell a TV show and it's just like, it comes on two weeks. No, it's a process internally with the network, with partnerships. You know, we had, unfortunately on this show, Group M and Motion, the Motion mm -hmm. Group came in and helped with the financing of the show through a program, they did, a partnership they had with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, the, you know, also Warner and Discovery were going through a merger during that time and yeah. they're, they're still completing that. So, you know, kind of being on that. Uh, you know, outskirts of experiencing what that might be like, these two huge companies merging and the impact they might have on, you know, our project, which is one of thousands. Did you find that you had people who didn't want this story to be told? You know, it's interesting you say that because now that I think about it, when we came to Tulsa, um, no one knew what we were doing, hmm. right? Everyone that came to Tulsa before had done a straight documentary about what happened in 1921. And everyone thought that that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think this would be a good time to share a trailer because if you don't know what our show is, it's a combination, right? It's a home renovation, business renovation show, and it has documentary clips in it that really tell right. backstories that, to give you context. But it's also following real people today. So it's really a hybrid. And that's hard to pitch. Yeah. Right. Because people are like, oh, what is that? Is it like this show is like that? They'll know it's like no other show you've ever seen. And it's hard to tell people that until they see it. So I think, you know, we could we can maybe show a trailer and uh show people what it is. Welcome to Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is the historic Greenwood District, better known as Black Wall Street. I feel bad. 
A thriving African-American community, once spanning 40 square blocks. Greenwood was created because we were excluded. Until the massacre of 1921. Greenwood was burned to the ground and over 300 people were murdered. 1,256 homes burnt down. This history is recent enough that there are still three people who live through it. The spirit of Black Wall Street survived. And the story of Greenwood is finally being told. My family was here for the 1921 race massacre. Oh, wow. They had a house on Lansing Street. We've been waiting. It's just the pressure. We're just trying to do good. We're trying to do good. 100 years later, descendants of that community are building a new legacy. We don't have providers of color in Tulsa. I'm building a space. Doing this by myself has been very challenging. And we're here to help. How are you? How you doing? Deep admiration. Today is the day. Ooh, teamwork. Our team of designers, builders, and experts are seeking out Black Wall Street descendants. This is where my grandfather's business was. Entrepreneurs and community leaders. There's more to Black history than slavery and the civil rights movement. Right. Right. To learn about their goals for restoring their community. I wanted to be part of the solution. And to help make a difference. And rebuild Black Wall Street one brick at a time. Yeah, how we're gonna get all of this done. Hold on, man, this is not the right bridge. Oh my God. I'm proud to be celebrating the opening of a Black-owned restaurant in the middle of Greenwood. I'm your host, Morris Chestnut, and together we are Rebuilding Black Wall Street. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Okay, so share a little bit of spoilers with us. What should people be excited to see in this program? I mean, look, I think the cool thing about this show is that one, it's a black joy show. Anybody that's interested in reno history, there's a lot of things that anyone can enjoy because mm-hmm. it's just a great story, right? But I'm specifically excited about this show because our history is currently being trying trying to be ripped from schools, right? That's right. We homeschool That's our right. kid. We we homeschool our kids because we want to make sure that they are their education is curated. But what's interesting, I was really reflecting on this today. Mm. Like growing up, I saw a ton of stories about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. right? Saw a ton of stories about different atrocities that different groups have experienced, and I feel like the only one I ever saw about us was slavery, right? And and for me, this is a blueprint, I think, for us to tell more of our stories from an empowering perspective. Because one, it tells this, you know, Holocaust size story of that wasn't just happening in Tulsa, by the way, it was happening right. nationwide, right? And, you know, we were terrorized for decades, right? One of the one of the facts that I that I learned in this process is um, you know, black folks applied for more patents in this country between 1865 mm-hmm. and 1920 than they did from 1920 till today. Wow. And it was due to Ooh, the, that, that's, that's an incredible a, fact. That is that's because we experienced so much hey, it's all good, it's all good. It would, you know, some white folks during that time and it, and we had this this promise that everything was going to be different. And 19, around the early 1900s, we learned it was not. And that's when you mm. get your Jim Crow laws, et cetera. And so we're telling a different story, I think, about America than's ever been told. And I think we're also telling you the part of what those descendants of those folks are doing now, much like you might learn about a Holocaust mm-hmm. survivor's descendant. Um, and so I just I'm excited to give folks that perspective on their own history. Because so often, as black folks in this country and abroad, we don't know our history. We don't know. What does your last name mean? I don't know. Right. Where are your people from? We don't know. You know what I mean? And we and this is our our normal conversations, but now we can start to put some of those pieces together. So I'm excited for that. And you know, there's this rap group, Fire Little Africa, featured um, that that we do an episode on, and they um, encapsulated the story in in their own way through music, right? And it's a really popular um, kind of call to actions. In their in their music, and then you know we feature you know the medical um, industry that's lacking there in the birthing area. There's a, a, a black farmer that we that we uh, spend some time with. We also spend a lot of time with this um, um, group called 1256 that are rebuilding mm-hmm. homes. The 1256 homes, 1256 homes that were destroyed. So their organization is raising money in honor of that, um, and they're helping some of the individuals. And 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 lastly, um, Kevin Johnson, who's building fixings restaurants and bringing employment. You know what I mean? Like people were crying at the opening. I interviewed one of his waitresses and she was crying because she was so proud to work for someone black at a real nice, 
you know, thriving national business. Mm -hmm. And they hadn't had that experience. She hadn't had that experience in Tulsa of working for someone with this size business that was black owned. And so um, I'm just excited to bring those kind of stories to to TV. To life, to TV, to our homes. Mm -hmm. Carla, thank you so much for bringing these stories to our screens and our homes and carrying the voices of all of the people that I'm trying to talk to. But please tell our viewers where they can find you, how they can find the show and where they can follow you on social media. Awesome. So one, you can definitely watch the show starting Friday nights on the Oprah Winfrey Network, September 29th. September so 29th, tune in. And it'll TVs. also be streaming on Max um, after that in November. Um, and then you can you can follow me at Sunwise Media, at Ricarlo, or at Handy Foundation. Those are all the, the IGs. Um, and or handyfoundation.com and sunwisemedia.com. But um, excited to be here and I'm glad, I'm really, really excited for people to share this show and tell their friends because it just continues the mission of Greenwood. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If we helped you make your money move, please share it with your community. Subscribe and leave us a review on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Greenwood and visit us at gogreenwood.com for more financial tips. And remember, Money Movers, if this were easy, everyone would do it. So take the lessons you've learned from this episode and apply it to your life. Hey, Money Movers, has anyone told you today how awesome you are? If not, hear it from me. And I want to take a moment to express my gratitude for your continued support and engagement. Our journey through discussions with remarkable guests and entrepreneurs has been nothing short of inspiring and empowering for me, and I hope for you too. I encourage you to catch up on any episodes you might have missed or those that you might want to go back and revisit. In fact, let me share a quick clip from one of my favorite conversations. In this episode, we sit down with acclaimed film producer, Will Packer. Let's talk about going out on your own. You started Will Packer Productions. Yes. That's a huge feat. You're like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to create more of these blockbuster movies. How are you structured different? How do you feel your success has been different from the average production house? It's a lot different. One is that it was uh, it was built from the ground up with an audience first mentality. Mm. So for me, because I started off making little tiny independent movies, you know, one at FAMU, one after I graduated, I had to hustle and independently distribute those films to the audience. I've always kept an eye on who am I making the project for? Who do I know is going to see this movie? I am somebody that believes don't worry about making content for everybody. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about trying to be all things to all people, but be everything to some people. That is my motto. That is a tenant of mine. I believe in that. I don't have to be all things to all people, but I need to be everything to some people. Very good at that. And that audience that I have had that has supported me, that I'm very, very thankful and grateful for, I have continued to feed and serve that audience even as we expand beyond it. That's one of the things that makes us different from a lot of production companies out there. The other thing is that I have set my company up to be very malleable when it comes to how we think about content and projects. So, for example, um, when we get a, a, a pitch or a IP, an article, a book brought into us, we don't only think about it in one particular way. We don't mm-hmm. think, okay, this was, this was pitched to us as a movie. If it doesn't work as a feature-length movie, then we can't do anything with it, right? It's the equivalent of if you and I, yep. we have a, a, a shoe company, right? That's what we do. And or we have a hat company. We make hats. And somebody brings us a great design for a shoe. We're going to try to stick the shoe on our head and say, ah, it didn't <laughs> really work, right? But if we have a company that is able to, to monetize and exploit across different mediums, 
then you say that's not a hat, but it's a great shoe. And let's we can figure out a way this. to go versatility. And make that. Absolutely, versatility. We do the same thing in my production company. If somebody brings something in, we say, well, is it a doc? Is it a limited series? Is it a podcast? Is it a feature? Is it a scripted series, unscripted? And we have the ability to do all those things. So now we're not pigeonholing ourselves. That's something that's very, very important, especially when you think about scaling a business. You know, that's really important, I think, in this industry and not the norm, because obviously in a lot of these legacy industries, they're like, well, this film has to be only made for this audience mm -hmm. and it has to be a romance. It can't have action in it. You know, that's very like, what is it and what does it look like so you can put it into a box? So I yeah. can see how looking at your your array of products that you've put out from reality unscripted yeah. Yeah. to some of my favorites, your TV series, Being Mary Jane to yes. Beast to, yes. you know, the really different, yeah. but you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I always, again, try to keep that audience first. Think about who I'm making it for. Make it for a number. Back to the money part of this. Make it and put in resources that make sense based on the profit potential of a project. Don't overextend, right? Don't go out and don't raise more money than you need. Spend what you need to spend in order to have success. Don't wait until you raise, maybe you set a goal for, for X, right? Yes. If you're never going to get to X, then set a date and say, at, by the time I reach, you know, a year from now, however much I raise, that's the budget of my project. That's what I did with our movie Twa, which was the movie we made right after Chocolate City just yep. graduated. We had this dream of raising a bunch of money and we could never get there. And we said, you know what, we could spend the rest of our lives trying to raise this money. So what we're going to do is instead of having a financial goal, we're going to set a date goal. And whatever oh. we're able to raise by that particular date, that's the budget of the movie. And that's exactly what we did. I want to talk about movie budgeting because I think this is interesting. Okay. Because how do you cut costs on a production set? Yeah. How yeah. Like that, I think, is the, the nitty gritty that's really hard. Is it in the actors? Is it in wardrobe? There's so many pieces that go into a successful film. Yeah. How do you cut costs nowadays? The answer is yes. <laughs> All those areas. Right. Because in in you can make a movie for any amount of money. All right. You can make a movie for five dollars. It's going to look like a five dollar movie. But you Come can to my it. Instagram. I'm making movies. But hey, that's true. Or you can make a movie for five hundred million. Yes. Right. It's just about the story you're trying to tell and the way that you tell it. A lot of that's in the execution. So when you think about budgeting a movie, you have to think about where do I want to put the majority of my resource? Resource allocation is so important in any industry, but especially in the movie business. So. If there are certain stars that mm -hmm. this movie does not work without these stars, it doesn't work without it. I have to have these stars. You got to pay what you got to pay to get those stars. If you got a concept that is, you know, a big high concept movie, people relate to it, it's kind of does it have to have a big star in it? Then you spend your money elsewhere. Maybe you put it on your director or your script or, or your wardrobe or other elements of it. It's always a balance. It's always mm. figuring out what are the essential elements that I need to make this movie. That's what I do every time. What do I have to have in order for this movie to be successful? You put your priority, you prioritize the resources there, then everything else you spend what you have to, but no more than that, if it's a non-essential element, which is hard sometimes. Oh yeah. Because you get people that say, well, it's all essential. It's all important. Of course it is, but you still have to prioritize. You have to prioritize. And that's the same, I don't care if you're starting a, a, a restaurant, yep. right? Doesn't matter, prioritize. What do you have to have? What's essential? Put the majority of your resources there and the rest spend what you need to, but no more than you have to. You know, we have a lot of really successful entrepreneurs and founders, and I, I, I hear this a lot. I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, bosses mm. are able to make really important decisions quickly 
swiftly and with certainty. And that's what makes a good leader. Yes. And you can cut through and weed through all that stuff, not yep. vacillating on like, oh, should we, you know, have this car or this? And you yeah. can make moves yes. really fast. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. No, you said it. You got to cut through it. Cut through it. Get to what's important. Don't spend a lot of time. Goes back to me saying, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't keep spend a lot of time on things that are thing. not important. Prioritize. And by the way, one of the most important resources that we all have, and I don't care if you're, you know, Tanya Sam, Will Packer, or somebody that's just starting off trying to get to this level. Time. 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 You know it and I know it because it's the thing we have the least of, yep. right? Somebody asked me to come and be a part of something. I would much rather cut a check. I would yes. much rather say, can I donate? Because I can't come. I can't be in felt, LA. Time. I can't. Time is the most important resource. And so even when you're just starting out, protect your time. Where are you spending your time? Are you spending your time? You should be doing something every day towards trying to reach your goal. Every yeah. day, even if it's yep. small. Make sure that you're progressing every day. My favorite word is onward. Positive, perpetual progression. No matter what, onward. Always be moving forward. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media, Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Until next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.